Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted, social distancing style from Packers.com. I'm Mike Spofford, as always, joined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. I'm coming to you from the Lombardi boardroom on the second floor of Lambeau Field. Wes, still in the bonus room above his garage out in beautiful Swamico, Wisconsin. So Weston training camp rolls on almost to the end of the first week here. We've heard from Matt LaFleur a couple times. We've heard from some different players. I know the fans are wondering what's going on with the team. Who's doing what? We haven't had a practice to be able to observe and report upon yet. That is still probably about a week away. So in the meantime, I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk about one of the players we heard from earlier this week, and that's Devontae Adams. And as everybody knows, he is clearly the number one target for Aaron Rodgers. But I think when you look at the bigger picture with Devontae Adams, Wes, it's starting to get interesting. The legacy he is actually establishing in the Packers record book in terms of some of his career numbers and where his career numbers may end up with a few more Devontae seasons. Yeah, and his consistency, Mike, is the thing that stands out to you over the last four years. What he has done since turning that corner in 2016, a couple injuries along the way, but really that's the only thing that stopped this young man. Over 4,000 receiving yards, over 40 touchdowns, or I should say actually at 40 touchdowns now. The only guy since 2016 in the NFL who's done that. The, the interesting thing about the receiver position, Mike, we talk so much about running backs and what the lifespan is for a running back. It's really difficult in the National Football League for a receiver to maintain an elite level of play. And Devontae Adams, one, credit to what he does in the offseason, how he takes care of himself, but also, two, how quickly he became a playmaker in this offense. It's enabled him to go on a type of run that we really haven't seen. Jordy Nelson had a window where he was really successful. Greg Jennings had a window where he was really successful. But finding a, lot, you know, a long period of time, six, seven, eight years, where you can be at the absolute top, the zenith of that position, it's difficult to do. Now, Devontae Adams, 27 years old, you know, there's a long way to go in this story yet, but he has really shown what you look for in, t- in terms of a transcendent playmaker, a guy that can you know, do this thing beginning, middle, and end. And obviously, when you, when you add in the component that he has, the relationship he has with Aaron Rodgers, I've said it time and time again, I think this is a guy, when it's all said and done, is going to go down as a top five receiver in Packers history. Yeah, well, you mentioned him being at the top of his game. 40 touchdowns since 2016, that is the most in the NFL of any wide receiver, and he has missed a few games here and there along the way. Three consecutive Pro Bowls for Devontae Adams. Now, the Pro Bowl is the Pro Bowl. I get it. But listen... The last Packers wide receiver to go to three straight Pro Bowls was Sterling Sharp. There have been a lot of good receivers who have come through here since Sharp. Antonio Freeman, Robert Brooks, Jordy Nelson, Donald Driver, Randall Cobb. None of those guys went to three straight Pro Bowls, and Devontae Adams has done that. Now, looking also at his career, and I'm going to glance down at my media guide here just to make sure I don't get the numbers wrong. But Adams actually right now, he's tied for eighth in franchise history in receptions with 431. These are regular season numbers. That's tied for eighth with Antonio Freeman. Now, he is not far away, essentially another, you know, roughly 80 80 catch season. He will move up into the top five and jump ahead of Don Hudson, actually. And if with about another 100 catches, he will actually surpass James Lofton for fourth on the Packers all-time receptions list. His yardage ranking is a little bit lower. He's currently 14th in franchise history in yardage, and he's uh, about 
for somewhere between four and 5,000 yards away from cracking the top 10. But those are some, uh, those are some pretty impressive places to be, certainly considering, you know, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, those eras, all the receivers that have come through here. And yet, as you said, Devontae Adams, just 27 years old and was a, uh, a second round draft pick not that long ago, 2014. Well, and for three years now, Mike, this guy has been the pinpoint guy that every defensive coordinator is scheming against. He's seen the best cornerbacks in this league. He's seeing double coverage, triple coverage at times. I mean, that's just the way his life has been, and yet he's still found a way to produce. Do you understand? I know you do, but do you understand how difficult that is when everybody has the crosshair set in your direction, and yet you still find a way to be a playmaker? What impresses me the most, though, and I've said this time and time again, I'll say it one more time, Devontae Adams, he, he was on a 24-minute Zoom call with us a couple days ago. That guy that's on the other side of that computer screen, is the same dude from four years ago, five years ago. It doesn't matter if there's adversity. It doesn't matter if there's success and accolades. The guy approaches his game the same exact way. And the thing that has impressed me the most is, okay, he comes out of Fresno State. You know he's the big possession receiver. Can he be a playmaker? He does. Can he score in the red zone? He's six foot one. Does he have that type of build? He can. He has checked every box along the way and really become a five-tool player at that position. And now that the Packers don't have Devin Funches for this season, they have a young tight end group, a young receiving core. You know that Aaron Jones is going to be there as a guy that they could potentially use in a multitude of ways. But the guy, once again, is going to be Devontae Adams. And how the Packers utilize him and the way that Matt LaFleur moves that chess piece last year was very promising. And seeing what he can do now in year two with him, that's going to be something to really follow throughout this whole season. Yeah, I like what you said about his personality, his demeanor, that he's the same guy that he was four or five years ago. Because you go back to 2015, when it was all going to be riding on him. Jordy Nelson goes out in the preseason with a season-ending knee injury. And Devontae Adams was dealing with some injuries of his own, and 2015 did not go the way he wanted. He stood at his locker and answered the questions and still projected all of the same confidence in himself and his abilities that we see today. And he took a lot of flack in the media, quite frankly, for that, Wes, because, you know, there were, there were some wondering, well, who does this guy think he is? Like, what's with this attitude, you know, and everything? Well, you know what? It's because of that self-confidence, that belief in himself. And yeah, maybe in 2015, when the production wasn't there, it rubs some people the wrong way, but it's gotten him to where he is right now. And I think that's worth pointing out. I'm going to throw some other statistics at you too, because it's, it's worth mentioning where Devontae Adams is in the playoff record book for the Green Bay Packers, because last year, the two playoff games, he had a monster couple of games against both Seattle and San Francisco, both games over a hundred yards, the 160 yards against Seattle, of course, is the Packers all time single game receiving yardage record. But you look at his career in the playoffs. He's only played in eight career playoff games. But four of those now have been over 100 yards, which is the franchise record for that category. He is second in playoff receiving yards all time in Packers history behind Antonio Freeman. He only needs, uh, I believe it's you know around 60, maybe 70 yards, maybe 80 to surpass Antonio Freeman. And Freeman played six more postseason games than, than Devontae Adams did. So he's second on that list. He's tied for second in postseason touchdown receptions with six. That tie, that's tied with Greg Jennings. Antonio Freeman at the top of that list with 10. But again, Adams has played six fewer postseason games in his career than Antonio Freeman. So where he is putting himself 
in the regular season record book, in the playoff record book. And obviously the Packers are hoping he'll be able to add to uh, some of those playoff numbers, uh, you know, sooner than later. It's really starting to look impressive, the type of career he's putting together for a very storied franchise with a great history of wide receivers. Yeah, and that's why you need to start putting some respect on his name, you know, nationally. Yeah. I mean, I know it keeps coming up, and it's a narrative every single year, and it was again this offseason. PFF has Kenny Galladay as the best receiver in the NFC North for some reason. Okay. But then, but then ranks uh, Devontae Adams as like the, the top performer in the d- division. I, I can't even follow that anymore. Just tell me what the slot receiver, how many – how many receptions he had on the slot anyway. Um, <laughs> but, but moving on, I mean, you know, the, yeah. the top fit, the top 100 list, he comes in at 57 for whatever reason. I think it's, I think there are a lot of parallels between him and also with Kenny Clark for whatever reason, people just hasn't really fully boarded that hype train. And I think that's because they haven't had these promotional tours, these, these advertisements going on, like, Hey, look at me, see me. It's all about me. Adams isn't like that. And I don't think he's ever been like that in terms of his personality, but then also coming up with Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, they were very similar in that way too, that it was, it was team. It was, we, it was us. It wasn't me. And that might hurt his endorsement deals, but that's what ultimately has made him the receiver. He is And at the end of the day, Mike, as I said earlier, if he can stay on this path and he stays healthy, you're looking at it, whatever you want to say about it, one of the greatest receivers in Packers history. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Well, another thing that has been a fairly hot topic this week, as we've heard from Coach LaFleur and some of the players, is this prospect of potentially no or very limited fans in the stands at NFL games this season. And it's, it's interesting to think about the possibilities. It's, it's hard to even, you know, process it in the sense, you know, until maybe we actually see a game with, with an empty Lambeau field or whatever the case might be. But while the Packers are going to obviously lose a home field advantage, the atmosphere that, that is generated at Lambeau, and obviously this team went eight and one, including the playoff win over Seattle last year in, uh, within the home confines. This team, Wes, has five of its eight road games in domes. Minnesota, Detroit, New Orleans, Houston, and Indianapolis. Now, five out of eight dome games on the road and the possibility, and I say possibility because we'll see how all this works, but the possibility of Aaron Rodgers not having to go to a silent count in a dome to run the offense, to call the audibles at the line of scrimmage, all that kind of stuff, that's really, really intriguing, and I think it could potentially develop into a big storyline in 2020. Yeah, especially having U.S. Bank uh, early in the season and then obviously the Superdome as well. Uh, th- those are two venues there where if there's no fans there, what a difference that makes. I'm sure we're still going to hear that freaking horn. But, I mean, all things considered, <laughs> not having the fans in there, it's going to make a big difference. So, uh, this is sobering, Mike, and, and, and I get it. Um, no other sports really are going with fans right now. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to take care of our neighbors. We have to take care of our families. Right. So I, I respect the league and in the, the, you know, the approach even the Raiders are taking. You don't want to open Allegiant Stadium with no fans uh, or with limited fans. You want to you be able to do these things right. Now, that being said, the, this is my ninth year covering the Packers full time. And I'm sure you can speak to this too, all the years you've done this. There's something special about walking into a Sunday afternoon, Sunday night game, uh, walking into the stadium, feeling the energy uh, as you walk in, hearing the music, smelling the brats. It, it, 
it's what makes this special. As much as yeah. you and I love just, you know, laboring over practices and, and, you know, seeing, you know, guys develop and th- th- everything is at a slower pace to the NFL, but those games mean so much. And that energy is so just incredible. So potentially not have that just from our perspective, that that's, that's really something that hits home. Mm-hmm. Now imagine if you're a football player, imagine if you're in those stadiums, you, you know, AT&T stadium, 93,000 people you can pack in there and you have to take that away that's not only going to change, you know, how these players get up. Matt LaFleur said they're going to have to create their own energy if that's the case, but the game, the way it's played changes mightily. And it could very well be a situation. Rogers looked at it as a potential opportunity too to draw teams off sides, um, you know, more free play opportunities um, just because of the verbal communication and the verbal cadence is going to be there. I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how this is going to look in my mind. (laughs) I don't know if I've actually been able to, kind of come to terms with it yet but be that as it may it's a reality that Matt LaFleur is preparing for if this team ends up not having fans they're going to practice a little bit inside Lambeau Field without anybody in there just so those young players on this roster can get used to it and honestly some of the veteran players too yeah well it'll be interesting we'll find out right away because the Packers open week one at Minnesota U.S. Bank Stadium obviously they got their first win in that fairly new venue last season to clinch the NFC North title in that big primetime game in week 16. I will say this though, Wes, I know you covered the Sunday night game in New Orleans in 2014. I covered that one as well as the Monday night game in New Orleans in 2008. Those are the only two times I've been in the Superdome. They were both primetime games. That is the loudest place, hands down, I have ever been in. And the prospect, and I just, I say this totally selfishly, okay? The prospect of going to a game at New Orleans and leaving without a headache <laughs> is actually is actually somewhat appealing. So I'm just going to put that out there right now because I, I'm telling you, man, it is both times. And yes, the games were six years apart. And here we are. It's another six years before we're headed yeah. back to New Orleans, but I'm telling you, man, it has taken me a few days, both times, coming back from those night games in New Orleans for my head to even get back to any sense of normalcy. So I I just, I do think in all seriousness, the Packers playing on the road in domes, but having potentially the the communication and everything that you're not that you normally have at home that you don't normally have on the road I think it becomes really really intriguing not only with Aaron Rodgers and just his experience and everything he's been through and what he can do but now that you're in the second year of Matt LaFleur's system and all that Rodgers knows it that much better Rodgers and LaFleur know each other that much better in terms of in terms of the play calling and the rhythm they want to get in I, I think it could be really interesting how this develops here through 2020. Yeah, and to, just to do an offshoot of this question, too, it, it's not even just fully about the domes, right? I mean, you look at that game against the Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, what a chess match that could potentially be if you have Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady being able to use verbal cadence uh, simultaneously throughout the course of a game, two of the, the best when it comes to pre-snap reads and, and you know, kind of picking apart a defense. Uh, there's all those type of things that you have to start thinking about. If this ends up being the direction the league goes again, there hasn't been a big edict that has been put down at all. We really don't know which teams are opting in or which teams are going to opt out of having fans or even trying to have fans. And we don't know what the league rules are going to be in terms of pumping in crowd noise. You mentioned the horn in Minnesota. We we don't know what sort of rules and regulations, what's going to be allowed or, or, you know, are they, are they going to be allowed to pump noise into a certain decibel level? Like we have no idea at this point, the league's going to spend the next month figuring out that kind of stuff. But uh, 
Um, but anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. But it's just, it's incredible that you and I are even having this conversation. I mean, we, we yeah. knew what we were dealing with when you go back to March and April and what the potential long-term ramifications of this whole pandemic were going to be. But, uh, you know, first and foremost, you want to keep guys healthy. You want to keep your fans healthy. You want to make sure that everybody at the end of these contests goes home to their families, no worse for wear. And, and if this is what the direction it has to take, I think everybody is on board with having to go that way. It's just, it is going to be, again, I've said this a hundred times, but it's the league's been around for a hundred years now. And this is going to be something that we've never seen before. Yeah, well, we'll be talking about it all month long here in training camp leading up to the regular season. But for now, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team, everything that we can know about that's going on in training camp. We will certainly bring it to you on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time. 